I'm Luke Story. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, fam, to the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. I've got two special guests today. I'm not going to tell you who they are right away. I'm going to give you some context clues. These two women became friends of mine when I saw a particular film with my wife about a specific class of medications. And when I saw the film, I was like, oh my God, I bet I could, I bet I could connect with them. And a friend of mine, Bliss, was gracious enough to give me their email, one of their emails. And we quickly got on a call together and realized, oh my gosh, this is a world that I, I really resonate with. And um, we got to chatting, and then a friend of mine in Austin, Peyton Callahan, knew I was coming to Austin. She was like, Nathan, would you like to do a screening of this film and maybe sit on a panel or something like that? You know, let's just get some ideas together. So we got on, the, on a call together with me uh, and uh, Cal, her, Peyton's husband. Hey, Cal. Hey, Peyton. And we um, very, very quickly put together an awesome film screening in Austin. And the panel included Sarah Hill, PhD, included Queen Afua and Sarah Gustafson, who's a doctor of science and an incredible Czech practitioner in Austin as well. We hosted this event, watched the film, sat on a panel, and 80% of the people in the crowd were women, 20% were men. And the vast majority of questions that came up afterwards were actually from men, for me anyways, the people that came up to me. And of course, I was the only male on the stage. Well, the, the screening, the panel was moderated by another friend of mine, Kim Vanderbeek, whose husband is James Vanderbeek of Varsity Blues and Dawson's Creek, etc. Big film star. And um, it went off with a bang. And ever since then, I've been connected to so many amazing people. The name of the film is The Business of Birth Control. And my two guests today are Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake. These two have put together a number of incredible films. The first that I saw was called The Business of Being Born. And I saw it, unfortunately, I saw it in residency. I say unfortunately because when you see the film, it validates so many things. If you're paying attention as an OBGYN resident, it, it validates so many things that you had been feeling, for me anyways, about the over-medicalization and pathologization of birth, the language that we use in order to coerce women into inductions unnecessarily or C-sections unnecessarily. I really got into the physiology of childbirth, way beyond really even what we learn in residency, because frankly, we don't actually know what triggers the onset of labor, those, those contractions that ultimately lead to childbirth. So, I, you know, this episode, we're not going to talk as much about that film. But since I'd seen that film and then I saw this film, I was like, oh, my God, these are people that I really need to become friends with. Because if nothing else, they are rounding out my education. But I would say that the business of birth control is far more important than that. The business of birth control, of course, talks about hormonal contraception in women. And that includes the pill 
It includes an injection in your deltoid, um, which in the United States is called Depo-Provera. It talks about an implant that goes between the triceps and biceps, just under the skin, which in the United States is called Nexplanon. It's an implantable progestin-releasing device. It includes a ring called, in the United States, Nuva Ring, which goes in the vagina. It includes the patch, which gets slapped on your butt cheek. Of course, it includes the pill. It also includes IUDs, which are these little plastic or copper devices that go inside the uterus. It talks about those things, but it also gives the downsides of these devices. And the importance of that is that when we counsel women, whether they're 15, 25, 35, whatever, we generally say, hey, you've got that inconvenient problem you've come to me for. I am super well-trained on how to use this thing, whether it's the pill, the, the shot, whatever. And we don't generally emphasize the downsides. So that may not be necessarily problematic on the surface, but a lot of these devices, let's talk about just the pill, for example, they have so many of their harmful effects on the body, the most serious of which include blood clots, which go to the lungs, to the brain, etc., can kill you very, very easily, especially if you're a smoker, if you're a little bit older, if you've got high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, whatever else. But even if you don't have those things, even if that, you know, very, very low chance of blood clot or whatever else, even if we push that aside, when you take a birth control pill, it messes with the gut biome. And your gut biome is critical for maintaining the integrity of the lining of your intestines. And the lining of your intestines contains gut-associated lymphatic tissue, which contains roughly 70 to 80% of all of your immune system. So if your gut microbiome gets messed up, the lining of the intestines get messed up, stuff starts leaking in through the intestinal tract that shouldn't be there. It actually should be digested and the micronutrients and macronutrients should be transported through the lining of the, of the intestines so that just the right things your body needs gets to the blood to, in, to, to, to nourish the tissues. But when that microbiome gets messed up and the lining of the, of the intestines gets messed up, stuff starts leaking in and the immune system gets disrupted. Not to mention the nervous system and serotonin, which is a primary target for a lot of our antidepressant and anti-anxiety medications, most of your serotonin receptors are in the intestines. We can now put together all these pieces. When women come to us as OBGYNs and, we, and they say, I am not feeling myself, or my skin's you know, going out of whack, or um, I'm now getting this strange pain, or I'm getting fogginess, or whatever else, everything is tied to the gut. We know that. The gut is so important. It's probably the most important organ system, you know, which, uh, you know, from the lens of the communication from outside to inside the body. But it gets worse than that. When you take a birth control pill, these are synthetic hormone disruptors. You don't have a period when you're on the pill. Yes, you bleed, but that is not a period. You are not ovulating. You are not cycling because by definition or by condition of how these pharmaceuticals were made, they work to keep you from getting pregnant by shutting down ovarian function, by tricking your body into thinking that you don't need those ovaries anymore. So these synthetic endocrine disruptors mess with your endocrine system. And one important way that it does that is it increases the production of hormone binding globulins from your liver. So if you've got thyroid hormone floating around, it would be normally doing the job of thyroid hormone. But now you've got all these binding proteins that gobbles up that, that thyroid hormone, binds it up, and basically nullifies it in the blood. 
So your brain has to overcompensate, and all of these feedback loops fall out of whack. So if you're an OBGYN out there listening, or if you're a woman out there listening, and you've experienced one of these things, and your OBGYN hasn't listened, or OBGYN, if you've, think, you've thought, this person's crazy, your job is to actually listen and to really help ask the important questions as to what are the pros and cons of this medication that I'm going to be providing my patient, and then you're supposed to counsel them on those things, the risks, benefits, alternatives. If you're not providing insight into the possible downsides, and instead you're willing to brush it away and just say, oh, that's just in your head, well, shame on you. This is an opportunity for you to round out your education, as I had to. And the film, beyond just the perhaps pros and cons of hormonal contraception, also goes well into fertility awareness methods, which is a technique that we didn't learn in residency or school. I had to learn, learn it myself afterwards not realizing, oh my gosh, had I just been able to counsel my patients on this, maybe they wouldn't have jumped to a birth control pill for the sole purpose of not getting pregnant if they understood that there's a four to five day fertility window during which if semen is introduced into the vagina, and only if semen is introduced in the vagina during that period, can I get pregnant? So for young men, young women, I think that this film is critical. For all the dads out there who have young girls like me, all those men who came up to me after this film screening and the panel discussion. This is important. This is an important film. Of course, it's not the complete picture. How could you possibly do that in a 90-minute film? But it should at least pique your interest enough, if you care anything about the women in your life, or if you're a doctor who cares about their patients, to start exploring some of these possibilities. And I think that Abby and Ricky have done an incredible job with this film. As a gift to listeners... You may not even want to listen to the interview now because I've, I've told you so many, you know, great parts about the film. If you want to see the film, go to the business of birth control. Just Google it. It's the business of dot, the business of dot life, I believe is the website. You can find all the, you just type in the business of birth control on Google and you'll find it. They've done a lot of crowdfunding for this film as opposed to just selling it right to a big network. So the fee that you pay to screen it really, really helps them make future films. And I hope that you'll You'll do that. If you need a little additional incentive, they've given a 50% off code to listeners. It's beloved50. You'll get 50% off the screening fee. I can't recommend the film enough, guys. I really, really, really want you to check it out. All right. My interview with Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake is coming. I did want to fill you in on our sponsors who actually make this show possible. The first is Fit for Birth. Fit for Birth is an online training program whereby you as a personal coach, fitness fitness professional, check practitioner, doctor of any sort, health practitioner of any sort, if you want to have some specific exercise programming in your wheelhouse for pregnant, postpartum, etc. women, go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. You'll be able to save 20% on all their programs there. Uh, I really, really, really love Fit for Birth. I wouldn't even... I don't even entertain the possibility of bringing on a sponsor unless I'm totally resonant with what they do. And what they've put together, my friend James over at Fit for Birth is bar none, one of the best things you can do in order to improve your repertoire in caring for the, the women in your, in your practice. You can also go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved if you're a pregnant or postpartum woman and want some specific counseling on nutrition, exercise, etc. through one of their incredible... Uh, professionals. So that's fit for birth. The other sponsor is Full Well Fertility. They make amazing prenatal vitamins. They make a men's virility vitamin and they make Nourish Nerves, which is a tonic to help calm your nervous system, which 
I use almost every single night before I go to bed. They're also coming out with a fish oil compound. And um, I'm so grateful to have them here. One person reached out recently about this, you know, about my promotion of a prenatal vitamin. Almost like, how could you? You're all about doing things naturally and this and that. And I totally agree with that. And even Ayla Barmer, the, the owner of Fullwell, who, by the way, she's an RDN. She oversees the, she's overseen the production of the products as well as the complete manufacturing process. So it's quality control from beginning to end. That's why so many publications have hailed Fullwell's prenatal vitamins as the best on, in the business. And I stand behind that as well. But even Ayla would agree that this is not the end-all be-all to being healthy in pregnancy. You still have to move well. You know, go see James over at Get Fit for Birth. You have to be eating a diet rich in, in, in vegetables and grass-fed meats and shellfish and everything else. You need to be um, hydrating. You need to be sleeping. You need to be meditating. You need to be thoughtful about the, the journey from maiden to queen, this, this archetypal transition that you're going to be experiencing in the near future. But it also doesn't hurt to have a, a well-formulated prenatal vitamin with all of the additional nutrients that might be hard to find in your diet, especially considering that food nowadays does not have the nutritional content that it used to. So this is your insurance policy, and if you're going to get a prenatal vitamin, why not get the best one on the market? So go to fullwellfertility.com, code BELOVED10 will save you 10%. I um, will be bringing Ayla onto the show for a, an interview about fertility, which is going to be amazing. As I mentioned, they have a men's virility vitamin. And uh, I get all of my, my fertility clients on the, the men's virility compound, in addition to eating oysters, etc. Because they've got all those nutrients that your sperms, little spermies need to grow up big and strong to go find that egg with an extra ejaculation. <laughs> All right, that's our sponsors. Uh, without further ado, my new and very dear friends, Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake. It's my distinct pleasure to have Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein on my podcast. This is a big day for me. Ever since our friend Bliss put us in touch, um, I have been, you know, fanboying. But now I feel like I'm, I'm like on your team, which feels a lot of, it's a lot of fun for me. So welcome guys to the Holistic OBGYN podcast. It's, it's a really a pleasure. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. And I feel the same way. I feel like I'm so just honored to know you. You're just, I, I don't know why it took this long for us to connect, <laughs> but um, you speak my language and I'm so grateful for the work you do and for your passion. You know, it, it's, it's a, it's been a, it's just a really hard process making these films and it's just so great to have someone that's so knowledgeable, that's so like drinking our Kool-Aid and, <laughs> and wants to, wants to help women, you know? I mean, it's just, I have chills just, just talking about it. So I'm so happy to talk to you today. I am swimming in the Kool-Aid. It's delicious. It's like a watermelon <laughs> flavor. It's perfectly sweetened and with a, with a little tequila maybe in it for me. Yeah. A little <laughs> splash of some spirits. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we've got a lot to cover here. Uh, for starters, for anybody who doesn't know, you and Abby have collaborated on two big films. I mean, you've got a lot of projects, but the two films that I, I really think are relevant to, to my journey have been The Business of Being Born and The Business of Birth Control. The Business of Being Born I saw in residency, and it was halfway through. My wife and I were sitting on our floor in our studio apartment in Hollywood while uh, I was working at Kaiser as a resident, and we both she looked at me and was like, is this all true? And I was like, 
I gotta, I don't know. Let me find out. And, and it, it was like, you have the inclination that some of the stuff that we're doing in the hospital based practice of birth isn't great. And, and then what I learned as I started paying more attention was, oh, the more that we're intervening, the more that we're causing issues for people. And the film really, I think does a, a beautiful job of illustrating that. So, um, so we'll put a pin in that one because today we're going to focus on the business of birth control, your, your new film. So, um, Abby, why don't you start? Tell mm-hmm. everybody why on earth did you and Ricky come together to collaborate on these two incredible films and all the other projects? Like, what drew you into focusing on women's health? Mm. Yeah, I don't know that we never like Ricky and I never sat down and we're like, let's make documentaries <laughs> on women's health. Like, we never. We, I mean, the business of being born, a hundred percent came out of like Ricky's personal experience. And I had just made my first documentary, which is about violence against women. And Ricky and I, she just really introduced me to that world yeah. and, you know, thought I want to tell my story and I want women to know they have options. And that is really how that film came about. Like I was a complete novice. I just had never, I had no idea what a midwife was or did. And, you know, so it really came from, you know, Ricky's curiosity. And then of course I got pregnant during the movie and, you know, sort of turned the camera on my, myself. And then, you know, we, we did a series of follow-ups called more business of being born. So we did four chapters that, you know, dove into other topics that we couldn't cover in the first movie. And then we did a movie called weed the people that's on Netflix about yeah. medical cannabis and kids with cancer and the business of birth control, again, it's like we weren't necessarily like looking for our next project. We're actually in the middle of Weed the People. And I got this book that was sent to me by Holly Griggs Spall called Sweetening the Pill. And she was about to, um, I guess, publish this book and thought that Ricky and I should look at it. And I read it on the plane flying from New York to L.A., and I just like turned up in Ricky's kitchen and was like, um, I think this is like our next project. Like, <laughs> you know, it's so logical because the book really blew my mind. And again, I was like, here is a subject that nobody wants to talk about, <laughs> that a lot of women are going to get mad. They're yeah. going to get mad that we're like judging or we're trying to, you know. And I think, I don't know, I just felt like, we are able to somehow like take on these topics that are a little bit ahead of our time, start the conversation, you know? And it just felt like, I don't know, you just couldn't really sit this one out. It was just like, nobody wants to talk about side effects of birth control. It's like a totally taboo conversation, but I feel that it's the same kind of, I think, impetus as a storyteller that we felt with the business of being born, which is like, people don't know, right? Like, nobody knows this, right? How can they right. not know? Everybody's shoving these pills down their throat and nobody really knows, you know? And it's like, you just have this, like, you have to like lift the veil because it just feels so important, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. almost heresy. I'm nodding my head. No, I'm nodding my head because that, you know, it's like, it's like I, with, for me, you know, I, when I was family planning and, you know, I learned so much between the first and second pregnancies, I was so baffled by like these women that I admired and respected in my field that 
didn't seem to give a shit about the process of like what I couldn't believe it. And so it was really a curiosity. And it's like, why are we missing this opportunity? Like, why are we not having reverence for this, this, this rite of passage to be connected in that process? And so you know, the, the making the business of being born for me was like a calling. Like I felt like I had, I didn't know it was going to be, I mean, Abby's the genius and the visionary that like sees it through. Like I have the, the curiosity and my own experience and my passion, but she's the one who sees it as what it, what mm. it comes, you know? Mm. And mm-hmm. that movie was so just, just, it was so serendipitous. Like how, you know, Abby, who wasn't even really planning to have a kid, but then low, you know, gets pregnant and then becomes like the third act of the film. And then, you know, through what happened to her, balances the film, you know, I mean, it just, it just yeah. perfectly balanced it so that it, you know, didn't, come off as propaganda, you know, as pushing some agenda and, you know, the business of birth control, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, it's like, like Abby said, pulling back the veil. It's like, I, I didn't know I was on birth control, hormonal birth control for decades. I didn't know these side effects were possible. I didn't know that my hair could fall out. If I had been told, Hey, there's a good chance Mm. you may lose a ton of hair. I may have made a different choice for myself, you know? Yeah. And and so it's personal. It's like these these movies, like I just feel like they're the movies I wish I had access to when I was making these kinds of decisions. And, um, you know, Abby and I both come from a place. We're not medical experts. We're not, you know, we're the layperson, but we feel like we are doing a service for so many that we don't really, I don't, I don't really care what a woman does as long as she's educated in the choice she's making. You know, that's the place I come from. Yeah, I, th- I think the big theme that came through, and the reason that I gravitated towards both of the films, was that you're not advocating right and wrong. You're advocating for informed consent. You're advocating for a person ha- being empowered with the information to make a decision that's in line with what their values are. It's nobody's job, whether it's me or you or Abby or you know the President of the United States, to tell us what we should and shouldn't have to do with our bodies, especially when it comes to fertility and birth. What what the films do is they provide the full counseling, uh, or or at least a complement to the counseling that's being provided by OBGYNs, which is, hey, yeah, that that thing you heard about, that's rare. You know, you you should probably do this because then you don't get to have to have this pesky bleed every month. And and heck, you know, we they're 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 safe. You know, you're you've got low chances of anything bad happening. So just do this. So a lot of young women, especially not being empowered with that that information, are going to take that sales pitch pretty well. Yeah, it is inconvenient to bleed every month, and and yeah, I don't want to get pregnant, and I you know I just put this thing inside there or under my skin or take this pill, and 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 my my problems go away. But if they knew that there was a risk of blood clots or a risk of mood disorders or a risk of skin and hair issues or a risk of changing their entire molecular makeup and who they're attracted to in the world. Then we start to have a balance here where now, now that you have the information, you're totally welcome to go the path of a hospital-based birth or a home birth or whatever, or birth control or family fertility awareness methods. But then now you can make the informed decision. That's what this is all about. It's not a matter of disempowering the medical system. We, of course, need the medical system. I am totally in support of that. But where's the life raft? You guys mm-hmm. are providing a voice for women who haven't felt like there's any other option. And I do want to honor that. Yeah. That's so true. And I also think we're sort of like deconstructing and challenging what are the sort of historical associations (laughs) with empowerment, Yeah. right? Because if you look at childbirth 
at least when I looked at childbirth, I thought the empowerment piece was the epidural. Like Mm. to me, that was like, that's what women fought for. Women fought to be like pain free in childbirth. And so the whole idea of like controlling your pain or controlling when you deliver or scheduling that seemed like control and empowerment. Right. right? Right. And it's the same thing I think here where it's like, there's this association right between controlling your fertility and managing, you know, your fertility and deciding whether you want to have a baby as empowering. And that's part is true. That part is absolutely true. But you see, managing your fertility, (laughs) you know, it's not necessarily just, I mean, if you're kind of taking a, a pill every day that shuts your cycle down, you're, you're just suppressing, you're not really, you know, managing it from like an empowering place. And so right. I think that's what also we're sort of challenging. You know what I mean? Is like, what's true freedom and what's empowerment? And when does it kind of turn in on itself? Right. Like when does something like the pill that became so revolutionary, right. And so critical to like women's emancipation in the 1960s, for example, when does that sort of like turn in on itself and now become a tool of oppression, you know, now become something that women are forced into or pressured to be on or sort of can't get off of. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's looking at that construct as well. Yeah, I think that that's a really important theme. You know, back in the, I don't know, it was probably the, I don't know, mid, mid-20th century, the idea of, of women being able to choose to have an epidural in order to take control, for lack of better terms, of pain in labor, you could see that through two lenses, very distinct lenses. That can either be an empowering feministic approach, or it could be a disempowering anti-feminist approach because we're taking women out of the experience of childbirth, which is actually this new conversation that's emerging. So these these topics that we're getting into, whether it's birth or fertility or whatever else, there is not an easy answer. And I think that living in the nuance is really where it's at as we start to to progress these conversations in our society. So I want to make it very clear to anybody listening, we are not saying that nobody out there should have a hospital birth or an epidural or a birth control, or anything else. Again, what this is about is, what does autonomy mean to you? And how can Mm. we, as people who love and care for you, whether we're doctors, sisters, midwives, whatever else, how can we hold space for your ability, for your um, exercising your autonomy and your right to inform consent or the right to refuse treatment? And that's what's sorely lacking in the medical system. So we actually need a lot of this conversation that goes all the way in the other direction to try to urge the needle just a couple degrees towards the middle. So it's a more balanced and fair, just conversation as opposed to a, I'm the captain of the ship because I'm, I'm I've got my hair done nicely with a bow tie and a white coat. That's not what women are asking for most importantly. And for many women, it's not what they need is somebody just to tell them what to do. We've tried that. We've done that for hundreds of years now. Why not inspire women and empower them with information so they can come to us and have an honest conversation where they're not being coerced to do something, but they're rather being empowered to exercise their autonomy? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I don't, I think that's rare. You know, if you look at like the way the medical model set up right now, I think that's really rare to have that, that kind of relationship. And I think that's essentially what we're trying to do with our movies and like this body literacy masterclass that we're launching um, as a follow-up to the movie. That's, a, you know, that is exactly what we're trying to do is yeah. to say, here's some tools Here's some information to just think about, you know, put it in there. But I think that it's a challenging time in the sense that we are at a real difficult place right now in this country. And the pandemic has pushed everybody to the edge. Mm. And I think there is really not a lot of trust in the CDC. There's not a lot of trust in the FDA. Mm. Um, you know, there's definitely not a lot of trust to the WHO. I mean, you know, yeah. it's really a, a difficult time. And so I think, you know, one of the things that I think when Ricky and I were making this movie, people were like, oh, are you going to use anic data or you're going to use kind of like, <laughs> um, right, you know, like like fake science. Yeah. You know, they like, sort of love to, they're, oh, it's going to be like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop where you're just going to, and again, the, the problem is it, it creates this like really binary world, right? Where you're like on the side of like medical research, you know, and like as if all medical research didn't come from anecdote in the first place. Right. But like, you know, or you're on this. So it's like this binary thing, like you're on that side or you're on the like completely like out there, you know, I'm not going to take an aspirin or put anything in my body ever. And so I think it's a, just a very, very confusing time and everybody is being gaslit, you know, everyone, which way, and nobody really knows like what vaccine to give their children or what, you know, is a non-hormonal IUD still have side effects and how do we trust these? And that's just the problem. Like we're at this place where I think we can all accept especially now with the opiate epidemic, we can all accept and understand that it is profit over people. Yeah. That is not controversial thing to say right. anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> so like, if you just know that that's the system, right. That's the system. It doesn't mean you have to be like, you can't trust any doctors or, or any practitioners or anything. It's just like, you have to, I think, know what's instinctively right for you. Yeah. And, you know, be able to be in a space to be like, I don't think that's a fit for me. Right. And if, if you're like not a provider that is comfortable with, you know, non-hormonal fertility management, then maybe this isn't a good, you know, match. Like, I don't think it has to be so confronting. And unfortunately, a lot of times it is, you know, mm. and we hear stories of the way um, women are really mistreated, especially women of color. It's, it, I think, it, I think because of that, though, I think some, you know, for women's health, it's also an exciting time in some ways, because I think there is like a bit of a feminist health movement. Mm. I really think that's like been reawakened, maybe around childbirth to start and now around periods yeah now around menopause and around birth control although the birth control again the conversation is way more shut down 
way more shut down, you know, because you can't talk about it on television. Yeah. You cannot talk about it on television. We have been up against, I mean, it's just been so interesting that, you know, I'm, I'm invited all the time to go on GMA and to talk about, you know, my own hair loss journey, but you can't show a clip of our film. Standards and practices will not put anything on their, their network that is challenging what is paying their bills. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's super frustrating. Yeah. It's just like, we're up against this wall. And, and, and again, like, like Abby and I are doing this as a, as really as a service to, to women. I mean, on it, we don't make money. We never broke even on the business of being born. I mean, that's partly because we don't know how to do business. We're not great (laughs) at it, (laughs) but it's like, you know, it just, it just, it shouldn't be this difficult, you know, for us at this, at this point, it's just, you know, and so meeting doctors like you and, you know, people that are doing this work as well and joining forces. I mean, it's really like a grassroots movement that we have to continue to just put out there in the world and doing these screenings like you did for us in Austin and just getting that, just that conversation and that, just that wake up call for everyone, you know? Um, it's, it's just, yeah, it's like, it's, we're doing, you know, we're doing our best to just, you know, get this conversation going in a movement created. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago to let's talk a little bit about the screening because I, I helped to facilitate with my friend Peyton Callahan. Um, Peyton, if you're listening, hello, you're an amazing woman. Mm. And uh, thank you, with, Peyton. Yes, thank Peyton. you, Peyton. <laughs> Um, and then uh, a mutual friend, Kim Vanderbeek of love, the Vanderbeek clan. <laughs> they're just, they're the the best just amazing people. Right. And, and yeah. there's this growing community of people who are, uh, you know, who have connections and they have some resources. And so when, when Peyton heard about the film, she reached out and said, Nathan, while you're in Austin, let's organize the film. So uh, a film screening. So we did, and you guys were so like sharp and getting everything together. And we did this great event. It was somewhat star studded. There were some movie star, you know, people there, some celebs and whatnot. And unfortunately, neither of you were able to attend, but it didn't matter. There, the energy in that room was like, they get it. Like they d- weren't there to see Abby and Ricky, although maybe they were and they missed out. But um, that would have been really, really cool. And at the next screening, we'll have to make sure one of you are there. But in the room, there was this energy, this sort of understanding as to why this was made. And it's it captured, it was captured exactly in what you guys just said. And the interesting part about the crowd was it wasn't just a room full of women about 10 to 15, maybe up to 20% of the audience was men, which I found really, really interesting. And in fact, there was a gentleman who came up to me after the panel discussion, which followed the film. And he said, Nathan, my name's so-and-so. I've got four young daughters, the oldest of which is just entering her menarche. You know, she's had her first periods and I have absolutely no language to be able to, to help her as her father in this conversation. But I know it's really important beyond just what was presented in the film. And a greater reflection from the crowd was that when hands went up, there were a lot of male hands. It was at least 50-50, if not more on the side of men, which tells me that people out there want this information. They want to be having conversations because they want to be able to help their partner or their young girls or their young boys, for that matter, have more responsible conversations around this. So let me present a couple questions that came up that I thought were, were really would have been helpful if we had more time to explore, but we were limited on our Q&A time. One, uh, Adrian Grenier, one of, uh, one of the you know, former LA 
Los Angelinos in movies and everything. He was there. He's now farming and whatnot. He was in the front row. He was very, very, you could tell he was impacted by the film. And he was the first hand that went up. And his question was about the history of Planned Parenthood and their role in this. I'm sure you get a lot of questions about this, but can you talk a little bit about Planned Parenthood's role presently and perhaps how they've been moving forward, given they have a a bit of a sordid history uh, in their role of of pushing out hormonal contraception to, you know, I'm using air quotes here, but the lower socioeconomic classes across the country? Mm, Yeah. Well, yeah, what we cover in the film is is essentially... um, the history as it relates to Margaret Sanger, their founder, who teamed up with the eugenics movement. That was a very, very popular movement in the United States at the time to help get birth control legalized and get the pill on, on the market. And I, so I think that the idea isn't, isn't like, you know, and how we present it in the film is we're really showing the history. We're not trying to, you know, vilify in any way Sanger I mean, eugenics was always tied in with birth control, even, you know, from early on in the 1920s, you know, you had society women, uh, rich women who were involved in birth control, which meant getting, you know, poor people and people of color to have less babies Yeah, to, you know, rescue them from poverty or whatever their, you know, motivations were on the outside, it's still to those communities felt like a form of eliminating those yeah, communities. Right. And of course we know there were massive, massive sterilizations done in this country to indigenous women, black women, Mexican women. I mean, we talk about that in the movie a, l- a little bit, you know, we glaze over it, but I think one of the things that's interesting about Planned Parenthood is that they had to sort of meet the times, you know, like they're, they're, they really had to, like, I think there was a lot of defensiveness around the history and the Sanger family still, you know, runs the organization. But at a certain point, like we're living at a time where it's like, you must have transparency and then truth and reconciliation, you know? And I think to their credit, I know the New York chapter took Margaret Sanger's name off the building. And I know that the head of Planned Parenthood wrote a big article in the New York Times, you know, really saying this there, we cannot move forward unless we are honest about our past, because a lot of women of color will not use Planned Parenthood services. They will not step through a door of a Planned Parenthood because they know about the history with eugenics. And so, and that's not good because as you said, you know, Planned Parenthood is supposed to be serving at-risk communities as well. So I think that, I think that they've, you know, taken steps, really great steps, you know, toward truth and reconciliation. And I think at the end of the film, you know, we show people holding up signs. I stand with Planned Parenthood and we certainly stand with Planned Parenthood and what Planned Parenthood represents and, and, you know, what they provide. We absolutely stand with them, you know, but I think that it's just like looking at birth control as an industry, you know, you, nobody has diplomatic immunity. Like nobody is, you know, can, can sort of 
function now in, in this type of world we live in without, you know, that kind of accountability and transparency. And I think that this is really where we have to be willing to embrace nuance because just like with any political candidate, right? They may have it all in order and then you find out that they have this one little issue that doesn't isn't in alignment with the blue or red or whatever and now they're not the ideal candidate. I mean, we're just so comfortable now with black and white. Black like- and white. Yeah. So we need to be willing to live in the gray. And I actually think this is relevant to hospital and home, home-based birth as well, that conversation. It's not fair to say that any woman should do anything, especially when it comes to birth. There's no shoulding allowed in my, in my vernacular. And the reason for that, of course, is it's not my job to tell you what you can and can't do. But more importantly, if we were to say that hospitals are bad or midwives are bad, we're we're neglecting the great deal of good and the pros of a lot of these of the of these things and you know OBGYNs haven't ever been rewarded for living in nuance you know you have the answer on the test and that's that's the per, the person who gets incentivized with more you know higher prestige or whatever else you know greater paychecks whatever else it, it is and i think when we when we are confronted with these questions these dilemmas they become moral dilemmas and they become something that we have to explore on the inside the conversation around Planned Parenthood, you could, again, look at it through two different lenses. Planned Parenthood was part of the eugenics tribe. You could say that. And I can tell you for sure, in the state of Kentucky, for example, there's, there was, I think, only one abortion center. It wasn't a Planned Parenthood. It was a center called EMW, which just a couple of weeks ago shut down. And now nobody in the state of Kentucky, at least in the, the greater Louisville area, has access to abortions. But it wasn't even just abortion. People go to Planned Parenthood for sometimes it's their only way to get any medical supervision or medical care because they don't have insurance or whatever else. And they're going to pay pennies to the dollar compared to what they would get at a Kaiser Mm -hmm. or something like that. So when we want to box something up as good or bad, it's lazy at at best and it's irresponsible Mm -hmm. at worst because it actually does a lot more harm when we polarize a subject. And I do think that hormonal contraception contraception also falls into this. Yeah. So in the vast amount of research you guys have done, mm-hmm. what was the give us a little rundown as to what you guys found as some of the downsides that maybe weren't being consented or weren't being counseled on in the vast majority of OBGYN practices. If you could just give like a, a synopsis of that. I would say that we try to hit on on most of them, I would say, in the film or some of some of the big ones. But you know, the first one I would say is the um mental health issues, which they kind of call mood, <laughs> which is so trivializing. Mm-hmm. I mean, how trivializing can you be toward women's mental health to say that low mood is a side effect? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's a side effect. I've been pretty shocked at this sort of how extreme, I guess, some of those mental health side effects have been and the studies that have come that we cover in the movie, the studies out of Denmark, following a million women, showing the extremely heightened increased risk in depression and anxiety. Um, Actually, a study more recently came out of Canada saying that women who were on the pill, even as adolescents or young adults, even after they go off the pill, 
have a higher chance, higher risk of depression later in life, just because of having that hormonal suppression, you know, for those years, those key developmental years. And of course, there was a study also out of Denmark done on a risk of suicide. And so to me, it's shocking because it's like, how are we in as a society, right? There's this big, like all these like advocacy movements around mental health, right? And suicide prevention and just, you know, it's a real, real epidemic right now. And how are they saying that in one breath and not connecting the use of hormonal contraceptives? I just, I find it very, I mean, I understand why, but you know, it's really hard. Like Ricky and I did a podcast, like some psychology podcast. And like, at the end of it, the, the guy was like, you know, this is what I do. I just talk about like psychology, like for 30 years, this is all I do. And I've never heard. He never made a connection. Yeah. He's never heard that hormonal contraception can bring depression. Can you imagine? What shocked me uh, taking away from the the mental piece, but also mental health piece that your clitoris shrinks Yeah, being on. I mean, I didn't know that. It can, it can. They're saying like, Yes, you you can have clitoral shrinkage up to 25%. You can have your ovarian shrinkage. I mean, like, I think the thing to to sort of, you have to tease out, the thing that makes it so complicated, right, is like, does the pill make you gain weight? Some doctors say yes, some doctors say no. You know, can it lead to inflammation in UTIs? Can it lead to this? Can it lead to, you know, liver lesions and benign liver tumors? Can it lead to, you know, pulmonary embolisms? Every single person is different. It's just like, that's what's very troubling and confusing is it's it's like, it's going to affect, right? Everybody in a different way. Right, right. For those of you who are listening and you've been on hormonal contraception, I don't want you to be too afraid. This is just a matter of sharing information. But remember that we are giving young women or women who had normal periods into their 20s and then decided, hey, I need to get on a pill because something is is abnormal in mm-hmm. my periods. Either I'm too painful, too heavy, too frequent, whatever. And those pills are designed as, they are synthetic, they are synthesized in the lab as endocrine disruptors. So what does that mean? <laughs> you have a hypothalamus, pituitary, thyroid, adrenal, ovarian axis, right? The medical establishment looks at it as the hypothalamic, hypothalamic, pituitary, ovarian axis. And all of these organ systems with all of their beautiful hormones are communicating with one another through positive and negative feedback loops. Meaning when there's too much of this hormone, it tells parts of the endocrine system to shut down. If there's too little, it lights part of those, the system up. It is so complicated, just like anything in nature, that we it's impossible for us to mimic this. We cannot recreate this because we don't even fully understand it. And now we're going to throw a wrench into this delicate orchestration of hormones and glands and tissues that are all working in synchrony with one another. We're going to throw a wrench in for one purpose, which is to prevent pregnancy. And it does that by shutting down your ovaries. So if we just look at that, the toxicity of these chemicals that we're giving to women of all ages for one specific purpose, sort of like putting a Band-Aid on a splinter, does achieve the goal of putting the Band-Aid on the splinter. It squelches out that primary symptom. But what also is happening is it's disrupting the, the gut microbiome. 
it's and the gut microbiome is 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 very closely linked to your immune system because of 70% of the immune system living in your gut and serotonin receptors which is where our entire psychiatric psychiatric pharmacopoeia works serotonin norepinephrine etc the propensity of your serotonin receptors is in the gut not in your central nervous system outside of the central nervous system so we're messing up your gut microbiome we're messing up your nutrient intake because of that we're messing up your immune system, leading to autoimmune conditions, and we're messing up your, quote, mood, leading to depression, anxiety, suicidal ideations, etc. And they stimulate proteins from the liver that bind up other hormones, dropping the, the efficacy of any of your endocrine systems to working, meaning your thyroid hormone drops because it's gobbled up by these proteins. You end up with thyroid disorders. You end up with all sorts of issues. So if we're going to do all of this for just the purpose of controlling pregnancy or the lack thereof, not, not getting pregnant, if we're willing to put all of that on the line, we at least owe it to our patients to talk about all of the potential detrimental impacts. And I could talk about this for an hour, but I just wanted mm -hmm. to give everybody an understanding as to what we're talking mm -hmm. about. We are not giving you hormones. We are giving you synthesized endocrine disruptors that are pretending to be hormones and that is hugely problematic given how complicated our organism is. Because just like with agriculture, you can't just add different nutrients and get better crops. That has been mm -hmm. failing us for years. And we are way more complicated than corn and soy and sugar beets and all of that. So now that you guys have understood all of this, if you were to think back to the days that you were on these birth control pills or the implants or the shots or whatever you know your poison was for the day, for the, for the time... What would you have done differently now that you've done all of this research and you've had so many conversations around, around the film? For me, mm -hmm. I mean, well, the way you just spelled it out, there's no way. There's no way. I wasn't even sexually active when I went on the pill. You know, I was, I mean, I, I just remember going for my pap smear and, you know, they talk it up like this is easy, no big deal. They had a stack of pills in the corner that they offered for free. It saved me a trip to my pharmacy. You know, I didn't even question it. It was just offered to me. I trusted my doctor. And of course I would reconsider, you know, I, I, you know, hair loss was the major and probably weight gain for me was, you know, the two major things that happened to me. And the hair loss thing has been, you know, a, a really debilitating journey for me. And I, you know, I came out publicly a couple of years ago and shaved my head and kind of surrendered to what I was dealing with. But, you know, it was making this movie that I really put the two and two together. And, you know, yes, I was predisposed. I have, you know, fine hair, whatever, but that didn't help matters by being on and off the pill for two decades, you know, and Abby too. I mean, I, I you know, knowledge is power, but having said that, if I had a daughter, you know, a teenage daughter right now, I don't know how I would feel as their mother, particularly with the right of being able to have an abortion being taken away from us in this country. I don't know. What, I'm, I'm just not in that. Well, I have two sons. I don't. I'm, but I, you know, I certainly would would think long and hard about making the decision to go on these these drugs. Yeah, yeah. Abby, any any reflections on your part based on? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Thinking about your history. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, you know, look. I think that, like you were saying, I think even people who are like, "Well, I didn't have any side effects," like you're saying. Well, 
you know, it's definitely depleting your body of folate. It's definitely like creating all of these micronutrient depletions. It's definitely mess like, you know, there are invisible kind of things that are happening, you know, just because you don't like feel side effects. So that's, that's one thing. And none of that has been studied. None of that has been studied long-term. But the the thing I would say also looking back, because I think like Ricky, I also started taking the pill. I was prescribed it for non-contraceptive reasons, right? I was prescribed it to, you know, quote unquote, regulate my menstrual cycle. So I think it all goes back to what we feel about our own hormones And I think like, because we're made to feel broken as women all the time, like we're just kind of, you know, you can look at childbirth, you can look at, you know, everything. It's like, well, your period stopped and started. Oh, something's, you know, everything that happens to us is quote unquote, not normal. It's some kind of aberration, right? Because Hmm. of the way men's bodies, you know, function. And so I think that we are cyclical and hormones. I think a lot of people find themselves with, I don't want to say hormone imbalances. Cause again, I feel like, again, it's sort of, you know, has a stigma around it, right? Hormones, the way that that we interact as hormonal creatures is that we are supposed to have like different energy and different feeling at different times right, of the month. Right, we are right. supposed to have that. And even for me, there was this kind of feeling, and I'm sure this is probably true for many women on a subconscious level, that somehow this pill is fixing me. Right. It's fixing me because instead of having, you know, moods and breakouts before my period or, you know, cramping or whatever, instead of like having all of this, now I'm just kind of like unplugged (laughs) and I'm on this kind of autopilot and it feels pretty even, right? It feels pretty like steady and like, maybe this is better than my own hormones. I honestly think, you know, and there you'll hear that from so many women. Oh, my period was a mess. Oh, my moods, my PMS, my blah, blah, blah. You know, this really helped me. And it's like being marketed as like, this is something you need to just like operate in the world, like a man, um, or like this kind of steady creature. So I really feel that it's going to be harder to sell this to the generation that I see coming up right yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. I really do because they they really they 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 are embracing these hormonal differences. They're embracing their cycles, you know? When I was in residency, oftentimes residents would people started picking up on on the fact that the the full moon was when all kinds of weird things happened in the hospital. So we'd have like the P-prom, that's premature pre-labor, or pre-labor premature rupture of membranes. It means that waters have broken way before labor happened, and there's no labor in sight. And I even use the word labor, you know, cautiously, because it's it's just puts this different lens on birth. But 
a woman would come in, she's 32 weeks, 40 weeks is for full, you know, is when your due date is roughly your guest date is, is going to happen. 32 weeks, your waters have opened. What do I do? You go to the hospital and there's three other women sitting there with the same issue, 34 weeks, 36 weeks, whatever. And you get hemorrhages, you get all of these like funny things happening in the full moon. Residents started realizing this. And I started realizing it in my second year, right around the time when you guys made the business of being born. And it occurred to me, holy smokes, like the moon actually does have some influence. It's not woo woo after all. There is funny things happening on the full moon. So those of us who were on call on a full moon knew it was going to be a long night with no sleep. You can, you can conjecture all you want about it, but it's real. And one of the big points that I started developing, let's just say curiosities that we started to develop was, if I put you on this pill, you're no longer cycling 13 times per year. It's not 12 cycles per year, it's 13 because there are 13 lunar cycles. Mm. And if I put you on this pill, I might be squelching that one thing you came in complaining of, acne or the mood things or the PMS or the whatever, heavy bleeds. Maybe. But in addition to all of the other downsides that I've already described, I am actually disconnecting you from the rhythm and the flow of not just Mother Earth and nature, but the cosmos, the, ast the mm -hmm. astrological signs. There is something very, very important about being connected to nature. And we've been at war with nature for thousands of years, as if, they're, if, as if nature is the bad guy. So women have been gifted with what many people even in your film would call the fifth vital sign. If you're not having mm -hmm. 13 bleeds per year, there is something going on that we should investigate. But instead, mm -hmm. we put a Band-Aid on it. And then when you want to become pregnant someday, the issue with your periods was never investigated. So of course, right. you're having fertility issues. And then you end up in the RAI clinic being jacked full of hormones, otherwise right. you know, also synthetic. And this whole time that you've been on birth control, you've been disconnected from nature. So a lot of women, mm -hmm. including my wife, said the veil sort of was lifted when they came off of these medications. And a part of that, I think, is that their antenna's back on and they're able to reconnect as the antenna between Mother Earth and the cosmos. So I'm only telling you this because I want people to understand that this is not, we are not the sum of our parts. There is something more profound about being human than various organ systems inside of a meat suit that goes mm -hmm. to school, gets a job, retires, has some kids, has some sex, and then dies. Like that's, there's way more, there's way more, I think, to the, to the conversation. And I do think that the younger generation, I've got two little girls, they're two and a half and almost eight months or so. And they, I don't think that they're going to buy into that either. I think, Abby, I think you're right on. I think that it's going to be a harder sell to say, hey, don't listen to your intuition. Don't worry about mm -hmm. what's going on in the sky. Don't worry about getting your feet in the dirt. Let's just do this thing. And I yep. think that there's a bit of a, a reframing of feminism. Mm -hmm. I agree. The empowerment piece for little girls is that you have everything. You know everything you'll ever need to know. It's mm -hmm. just a matter of figuring out how to harmonize with your environment in order to maximize your potential through the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. And they also, they also have you as a father. Well, I mean, uh, I'm going to have the two true. coolest little girls. They are the, they mm -hmm. are bright rays of sunshine that, uh, yeah, I, I really, really feel very fortunate to be raising little girls, but Abby, don't you have a son? 
I have two sons. Two also, sons. So two boys yeah. for each of you. Great. This mm-hmm. is perfect for my next question. It's almost like I planned this. Considering that we have a lot of young women who are waking up to this, they're starting to look at their services and mirrors and doing speculum exams and learning fertility awareness methods, which I think everybody can agree this is what we should be teaching little girls if they're open to it. This would empower and them boys. so much. Well, yeah. So that's my question. How do we bring young men into this conversation? You've got two sons each. What is the what is the man's role in this conversation? How can they show up if they're hearing this and they're like, gosh, I've got little girls or gosh, my partner and and I I want to be involved in some way. Like what is the man's role and how can they appropriately hold space for the women in their lives who may be facing this dilemma? Well, I mean, first of all, I think they just have to show up and, you know, they have to know like how to show up. Um, but they do need to show up and I think they're willing to show up. And I think that what we've seen like over the past 15 years, let's say even in childbirth, right. Is that, you know, this has become like a couple's thing, like couples go to childbirth class. It's like an experience they do together They're They have a birth plan, you know, that they're both involved in. Um, I mean, I think it's really changed in terms of like fathers. Um, I mean, you know, huge changes in terms of of how they participate. And I think that what's going to happen with birth control and what is, you know, happening is that, um, you know, first of all, let's say if you are working with, let's say a fertility awareness method or something that automatically, right. Both partners sort of need to know like, where you are in your cycle and, you know, when do, when do we need to use a condom and there's a shared responsibility. But I also think that, you know, this is my personal kind of opinion. (laughs) I think that women, you know, for generations have been so used to sucking it up and bearing the burden. And like, you know, so many women, like just they just know like birth control is something they have to take care of. And it's like, you don't even like, like bother the guys with it. You know, it's just assumed, well, you're on birth control, right? I mean, you're, that's taken care of. Right. And so that like women have like, like assumed, you know, this kind of like, oh, I have to like take care of this and bear the burden of this. Right. But like an interesting thing that happened, like, let's say with the business being born is that men, men, got the movie in the sort of way of like the hospital um, economics and assembly line, you know, kind of chain of that, this whole idea of the like, you know, rushed birth and the cascade of interventions. And so we got so many emails from dads after the movie that were like, oh my God, the doctor came in and, and he said exactly what you said in the movie, you know? And I just looked at him and said, that is not happening. And you are not starting Pitocin yet. And, you know, you come back at 11 o'clock or she needs more time. And so in areas where women are kind of, I would say they've been disempowered because we're just kind of like tired and, you know, we just sort of used to like bad healthcare I think men then step in. And what I've seen is like the young men who've seen the business of birth control, you know, like Peyton told me like, you know, her son like was so into it. And then, you know, his girlfriend was on birth 
birth control and realized that, you know, she might be having some of these side effects mentioned in the movie. Like, I think, you know, men as partners really like if they have the information, they want to step up. They're like extremely concerned. Right. And they certainly don't want their partner on a drug that's going to like diminish their libido, you know, or. But but they don't want to take a drug. Men would not tolerate the side effects of these drugs. So, I mean, yeah, I think they want to be informed. And yes, the, the, the rare man wants to like figure it out with the, the woman. But I think for the most part, and I don't want to, you know, be bashing men, but I, you know, it just, it has fallen on women for so, so, so long that to change that status quo is, mm-hmm. is it's going to take a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. And I think, you know, I mean, part of it has to do, you know, with women sort of, you know, bearing all of the consequences, right. For what happens if, if there is an unplanned pregnancy, of course, but you know, I do, I just do think that there's a gender equity conversation um, that is starting to happen more. And I think as we are becoming a more gender fluid society, I think some of those old categories are, are falling away a bit. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, I would, I've heard in other cultures like in Japan, you know, it's a sign of respect to use a condom and to not, you know, have your partner be on birth control. That's like a sign of respect. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if we could reframe it like that, because a lot of times it's like, you know, that that's what always strikes me, right. Is the men who like their partner has like four kids and then they won't get a vasectomy Yeah, and like still making her like tie her tubes or have an IUD. And it's like, what? Like that makes me nuts. You know, that makes me crazy, but you know, maybe they don't understand the burden of the side effects that women have been dealing with their whole life, or they would like step up to the vasectomy plate a little quicker. Maybe this movie will start a big Vasectomy vasectomy movement. Yeah. I have to say, I have a vasectomy scheduled and I'm having some serious reservations about it. And I, I'm saying it to you because I consider consider you my friends, but I mm-hmm. was pretty darn satisfied with the decision. We've we have our family, we've got two perfect little girls, um, mm-hmm. one of whom was born at home. No vaccines, like she's in perfect health. I mean, they're both in perfect health. Like I'm just so proud of what we've created. And my wife went on birth control when we were 16. We met when we were in high school. And then we weren't together all the way through, but for most of the, our life, we've been together. And so she was on the patch and then the pill, and then she got an IUD, and then she got the another IUD. And the burden has been on her the entire time. And now it's my turn to step up. And there's something energetically, and I think it's part of, the, through the lens of of birth control and sterilization procedures and w- women who've opted for sterilization procedures, which for anybody out there listening, we don't tie the tubes anymore. We remove the entire tube because it decreases your lifetime risk of ovarian cancer. So when you, you, when you're stripped of a part of your anatomy, a lot of women are happy that they can't get pregnant, but they actually feel a a deep remorse for the fact that they've Mm -hmm. interrupted this flow again, back to the flows of nature. and, And 
So since I've got this, you know, my wife and I could both look back and say, gosh, I, you know, maybe birth control wasn't the best thing or I probably wouldn't have done it that way. On the other hand, now that we know what we know, like neither of us wants to be on birth control. Like neither of us <laughs> mm. wants to have anything surgically done. But, mm -hmm. you know, to not speak too much for my wife, I just, I just wanted to, to honor anybody out there who's like, well, if I can't do chemicals and I can't do a surgical thing or put an IUD because I don't want those, then what? Now we have to lean into this fertility awareness method and really trust in the, in the mm -hmm. physiology of the body. And mm -hmm. I still may end up with a vasectomy. I don't know. It's just one of those things where like mm -hmm. uh, living in the world of nuance, it's like, is it going to prevent Kundalini from rising if I get deep <laughs> into Tantra, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> I have some Tantra yes. friends that have said that, you know, it may, it may impact the ability of, of your Kundalini, you know, the, the, the potency of Kundalini in your, in your body. And I'm like, mm -hmm. but what if I want Kundalini? You know, like it's just, <laughs> it just becomes so much more complicated, but mm -hmm. I do think it's important that now we are realizing that, okay, if we know, now that we know what we know about hormonal contraception to simply kick this responsibility to women is no longer going to, going to, going to fly. And That's I, right. my wife and I have had some really, really hard conversations about this because she has to go through the process of miscarrying or abortion mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. and, I mean, there's like the dead baby energy. Like nobody wants to go through this. Yeah. Right. And right. we want to be able to have great sex like we've always had. Yeah. Yep. So one other thing I wanted to add to that is that in our society, you know, we treat women as being irresponsible when pregnancies happen, when a man just simply has to control where he puts his things. And if, if men could just get around to the idea that mm -hmm. I am equally responsible for this, and if society was more respectful of single moms who have decided to have this baby, even if it maybe wasn't an intended pregnancy, then I think that the conversation would be a lot less controversial or taboo or whatever else. But nowadays, we just don't have a lot of respect for single moms who, mm -hmm. who are going to have the baby regardless. Um, and all that that man had to do was maybe slap on a condom or maybe just be a little bit more aware of what he's mm -hmm. doing and not just going in and jackrabbiting until he, you mm -hmm. know, finishes. So mm -hmm. anyways, I said a lot there, but uh, I also mm -hmm. wanted to add one final thing. Male birth control is on the horizon. YCT529 is the chemical name. It works by blocking vitamin A receptors, which are all over the body, especially in your immune system, a lot of your endocrine system, in your central nervous system, in your visual system, your occipital lobes. But we're going to give this chemical that's going to block just sperm function or, or uh, development. So we may be going down a path where we are not being fully uh, cognitive, thoughtful about the impacts of using synthetic endocrine disruptors. So I kind of just wanted to throw that in there. Anything there that I said that you guys mm. want to comment on? You guys can also bash me if you're like, just get the vasectomy, bro, because I, <laughs> I love you and I respect you. But but just tell me what's on your mind. Uh, that's the male perspective that I'm bringing into the conversation. Well, vasectomy happens to be my favorite form of birth control. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a fan. My husband now has four grown children and had a vasectomy a bunch of years ago. But Christian, my husband who passed away, my second husband, he had a vasectomy. We had we had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 42 years old wow. and using protection. So we, you know, it was one of these weird blips. And, you know, we were like on the way to have the procedure to end the pregnancy. And Christian was getting that vasectomy. Like, like, you know, wow. and he also had the same kind of feeling of like, 
his energy source being snipped, being cut. And he was very freaked out about it and, and ambivalent about it. But in the end, you know, it was, it was fine for him. It was an easy procedure. It was easy recovery. It's very painless. I mean, it's a very minor procedure compared to what we've put women through for years. I do want to throw that into the ring. I totally acknowledge that. And now we're like, we're working with, um, well, we're partnering up. It looks like we are partnering up um, with a new company with the technology that's coming. I guess it's in like clinical stage three trials in India, but it's actually like a, a gel that's inserted into the tube to block semen and it's a 10 minute painless procedure. And then when you are ready to have children, they literally just like blast it out with like baking soda and water. It's wow. just like, yeah. So it's, 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 um, so it's, it's a reversible, it's a reversible, so, yeah, so to I speak. Don't, yeah, it's called basil gel and, um, it's, you know, it's, it falls under like a medical device and we had a really, um, great meeting with that team. And they said to us, you know, we've got 50,000 men on the waiting list for this procedure. And everybody's telling us that there's no market for this, you know, or men wouldn't do this or whatever. And I was like, you know what? Are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean, first of all, I know so many mothers that, you know, why couldn't that just be part of like a teenage boy's experience? You know, I mean, I'm, I, you know, didn't, you know, I mean, didn't circumcise my, my boys, but I think that that's, come on, <laughs> you know, that's, that's like, way that's, more, that's yeah. way more yeah. invasive and yeah. damaging than inserting a little bit of a non-toxic, you know, something to, to block a tube for a certain number of years. It, it feels to me like that is a great idea. And we've been talking to them and part, you know, figuring out ways to partner and, and get the word out. Because I do think that something like that coming on the market in the next year or two really changes the conversation. Right. Cause then it's like, well, you're going to put your daughter on the pill, but well, why don't you get your son, you know, this basil gelled. Basil gelled. I don't know if that's the name of the company. I feel like I'm probably it that's is. the name of the that's the name of the uh substance, right? That's that they the license. product. The yeah. product. It's par- yeah. par- Parsimus Foundation Vasyl Gel. I I was so intrigued when you were talking about it that I googled it right while yeah. you were saying it. And, it's amazing. And the and the coolest thing about it um is you know when we met with them and we talked to the owner of the company, um Luke, and someone on our team said to him no, how did you go from being in like drone technology to like being in birth control? Like, why are you like doing, yeah. you know, why are you doing this? Yeah. And his answer like put us all in tears, but he basically said that it's because he grew up in the foster care system and he knows what it's like to live in this chaotic world of being a child that was unwanted. And he feels it's a human right to be able to decide to have a child or to not have a child. And that like, it just sort of stopped us all in our tracks, you know, because we thought, wow, what an, what a powerful place, you know, that he's coming from. And, and yeah, you, you would, you have to have him, him on when there are companies ready to launch. Oh, please put me in touch. I really love him. I'm already thinking maybe I'll be their first subject. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the, the best alternative we, to this is, you know, if we're not going to use chemical pharmaceuticals, these synthetic dis endocrine disruptors, we're not going to do a permanent, you know, clip and removal of a part of the vas deferens for men or the whole tube with the fimbria and everything for women. Fertility awareness methods is our, is our, our big crutch that perhaps can carry us forward. Have you guys, you know, you've, you're, you're you're, are you guys, either of you, using fertility awareness methods, or is it relevant to you right now? I'm just kind of curious about that. Maybe you can explain to people what, what that is, and I can fill in the gaps if you have any uh, any hesitancies. Yeah, I mean, well, it's basically... We're... Go ahead, Ricky. No, I was just going to say, it's basically tracking your cycle. I am not my husband had a vasectomy, but I still, for me now, like I'm tracking my cycle for my menopause, my perimenopause, yeah, like trying yeah. to, you know, and it's, it's, it's very simple. Like I don't, you know, I don't check my mucus or anything at this point. Um, but I want to know like the, sh the changes that are happening to me. And I'm, I'm really honored and proud to say I have a regular cycle at 53 and a half. I have wow. not had any, I mean, maybe it's not something to be proud of, but it's, it's, it really makes me feel like I'm still youthful and, yeah. you know, it, it's like a mindset, but I really appreciate like just, just paying attention to my cycle and like seeing, okay, I'm a little bit irritable today, or I'm a little, I have some anxiety, like, where's that coming from? And just tracking of where I am and seed cycling. I'm really interested in and yeah. dabbling in that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, but I'm not doing it obviously for, for pregnancy yeah. reasons at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even just to get to know your body better, it sounds like that's been helpful. Um, yeah, you, you said the fifth vital sign. Yeah. yeah. Right. I right. think, I think though, you have to understand that if you really want to practice fertility awareness method, like I practiced, I would say <laughs> for probably all of my last, you know, 12 year relationship where I had our two children, I practiced what I would call a very loose kind of with timed withdrawal with tracking of cycle in the loosest way. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And by the way, um, completely worked for me. <laughs> For, for 12 years. I mean, I had two kids exactly what I wanted to conceive on the first time. So just for me, for my body, it, it wasn't a mystery to me when I was ovulating, it wasn't a mystery. And so, um, you know, we were not, I would say in any way, I would not call that fertility awareness method. I would call what I did really very, you know, loose. And, and I don't even know how effective withdrawal is. I know a lot of people use that. But I will say, if you want to actually use the method, you really do have to understand that it is not like cycle tracking. It is not. It is observational and it is you are tracking ovulation and your ovulation is not always going to be on day 13. Like, so you can't just like, you know, go by a calendar. That's not how it works. Like if you really, 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 really want to do it, yeah. you know, it, it does take a minute. Like you are definitely going to have to like track your basal body temperature and, you know, those six days when you're fertile, you know, you use a barrier method, but you, it's definitely like the apps, you know, everything helps. Like there are all these apps and tools and thermometers, but like, you definitely need to, um, I would say, take take a, a class or read a book. You know what I mean? You definitely want to do it, practice this correctly. And, and especially even if you want to like just 
like learn about your your body right, or right. you know it's track your fluids and understand it's still it's the same thing you've you've got to sort of you know put i think a little a little study into um yeah into learning it which is very easy to do yeah very easy and i think it's really freaking cool to learn how your body works right yeah. it's right. such a it's such an opportunity to just like it's fascinating. Right. It's it's like a miracle, you know? Yeah. It's so cool. Like when you see that egg white, the mucus, like, like it makes sense. It's that, oh my gosh, I'm in my fertile window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just like flipping the script, you know, same thing about birth. It's like mm-hmm. feeling what labor feels like, you know, I wasn't afraid of it. I was super stoked to have that experience mm. and to feel and go through that process. Yeah. You know, it's just a mindset, I think. And and I think for I think for young men out there, you know, we were all taught men and women in middle school. As soon as a penis gets near a vagina, son, somehow a baby comes out nine months later. Yeah. And, and it's not it's not generally that easy. Everybody, it's right. like, un, un, fortunately or unfortunately, when you're ovulating, you also tend to be a lot hornier. You know, f- from a, a female standpoint, but evolutionarily that makes sense. So yeah, you have to be aware of it. But fertility awareness, really the, the three primary things you guys mentioned, basal body temperature, cervical mucus consistency, and cervical position. If you have an understanding that, oh, the cervix is anterior and my, my mucus has gone from creamy to now the, the egg white, you now know that that's the time to get to, to have sex if you want to get pregnant. So the, it takes a lot of the guesswork out. It actually gives you a lot of power in, in how you show up in the world. And it's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to do these things. But if you want an alternative, a very highly effective alternative, we're not just saying pulling out or whatever else. That may also be a component of it. But once you learn this method and you get a you know get your your you know a grasp on it, it gives you a lot more freedom. You know, when we talk about the freedom, sexual freedom. This is sexual freedom. Now you know when your body's going to ovulate. You can have sex in any which way that you want, um, whenever you want, as long as you're not in that fertile window. So, yeah, I I agree with you guys. I think um, we'll I'll include some resources for people to find some more information about that. But it is not rocket science, but it does require a little bit more patience and diligence uh, versus just having a an IUD shoved up in there. And for some other people, that may be better for you too. There's no right or wrong here. I think we're getting a little long-winded. We're over an hour and I promised Ricky we'd be done within an hour. So any other final thoughts, like anything else you really want to share? <laughs> I mean, I, oh, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, I think we want to just share like how people can see the movie. Yeah, right? of course. Of Do you want to talk about that here? Yep. Yep. It's, it's easy peasy. You just go to the business of birth We are self distributing it and you can just stream the movie right there instantaneously. And then we have our master class series that's launching now at the end of the month, right? At the end of this month. Yep. And that is like more of a deep dive into all things birth control. Yeah. And we will give Nathan, you'll have a code that you can give to everybody so right they on. can get 50% off on the, the rentals. Right on. Yeah. Excellent. Any anything else you guys are working on that you want people to just be aware of to keep their 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 ears peeled for? We don't have a new Not doc a- yet in the works. Not yet. Not that we're um, talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, but I mean Nathan, I I just I'm so glad I know you. I'm so grateful to Bliss for connecting us. You're amazing. You are just 
walking the walk and just your it's just such a breath of fresh air to to have physicians like you you know just speaking our language and helping us to get the word out Mm -hmm. yes i i second that and i just you know it's been such a pleasure and i feel like nathan we will be working together either years on the on the vasil gel fraternity tour yeah (laughs) the Birth center that you're building, um, the birth, you know, all of it. Like, I feel like we'll just be connected and, you know, there's a really great network of allies that I think we've been putting together in this space. And, um, it's just like, we just appreciate you and your point of view and, and, you know, and how, like, also how like open and like humble, and questioning you are it's really it's no it's really beautiful so um and let us know what you decided to do about the vasectomy (laughs) (laughs) by the time this episode comes out we will have a decision yeah it's a it's a cliffhanger well i mean just to to sort of put a final cap on that part of our life it has not been an easy thing like we've been laying in bed at night and just holding each other and wanting to be intimate but we're holding back because we need to make sure that we're doing what's right. And my wife is like, I totally get it. And she's like, I'm simultaneously resentful because I've been carrying the burden. And I'm saying, baby, I Mm. totally hear that. Like, I feel bad that I can't just dive in, but something doesn't feel right for me. And I'm not the type that just does what I'm told. Not not that my wife Mm. is telling me what to do. It's that I need to really feel good on the inside about what Mm. I do in every person I meet, every every patient I take care of, every woman who I attend their birth, it needs to feel right. I can't just do it because there's people tell me it's the right thing to do. And and that is very confronting and conflicting for people. So anybody out there who's struggling with this conversation, I am here. I get it. I hear mm-hmm. you. I'm there right now. There's not an easy road out of this dilemma of of having completed your family. But, but I do think mm-hmm. that we are starting to generate responsible conversation. And the reason I brought it up to you guys is because I am hoping that somebody will just slap it out of me. If it's easy as that, I kind of just need, I need permission to feel better about it. And I've gone back and forth. So anyways, I appreciate you even hearing that part of my story. I just want everybody to know this is not just I'm not just sticking my heels in the ground. Like this is a really emotional toll for me. <laughs> I think you could turn it into some sort of like a divine feminine ritual where you like literally take a bunch of men and go in the woods and you just like release the fear about it. Forget about the Kundalini and just be like, this is our contribution somehow, you know, like you're saying, this is our, our moment of like taking on the burden and just, I don't know, kind of. I know, I know exactly like how you're feeling though. Cause it is yeah. strange to think about altering yeah. your, your physiology. I, I totally get it, you know, or you will, we'll get you the top of the list on the basil gel. Yeah. Just get, got- me a, get me an in. I need to be on the, on the list there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Nathan. Um, we'll send everybody your way. Go and see the business of birth control, guys. Go see the business of being born. Support great projects made by great women. And that's the best we can do 
and that's where I, that's the that's the starting point for a lot of greater things that we can do. I should say that. So thank you guys for spending some time with me today. Much love from Kentucky. I, I hope we get to you. meet soon. I love you. Yes, <laughs> yes me too. Louisville. Let's plan that screening because yeah. we're there. Yeah, I'd I've got a friend who can get it there. So guys, keep your ears perked. We're going to have a screening in Louisville. And if you're listening out there and want to do a screening of the film, reach out to me. We will. I'll link you up with the right people. I, I think I know somebody who can help with that. Wink, wink. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye, guys. Bye. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. I'm telling you guys, if you can support the work of Abby and Ricky, they're going to continue making amazing films like this. I don't know what their next projects are in the works, but whatever's in the pipeline, I am super stoked to continue supporting them in anything that they do. If your interest has been piqued, go to the Business of Birth Control website and use code BELOVED50 and you'll save 50% off of, off of the film screening. And if you do feel like, hey, I just want to support it at full cost, it really helps them. They're, they're crowdfunding this, I think, um, which is, I think is a really smart, smart thing to do. But the business of dot life is the website. You can click on the business of birth control and save yourself 50% with beloved 50. I also um, want to mention our sponsors again, full well fertility makes the best prenatal vitamin on the market. Go to fullwellfertility.com. Use code beloved 10, you'll save 10% and then fit for birth, personalized coaching in nutrition, movement, etc. Whether you're a pregnant or postpartum woman or any stage of your life, really, or if you're a coach looking to work specifically and enhance, augment your repertoire for coaching pregnant and postpartum women, you can go to getfitforbirth, all spelled out, .com slash beloved, and you'll save 20% using any of the links there on my personal page on their website. Support them. Support Full Well. The sponsors make this show possible, and I'm so grateful to, to them. Thank you, Ayla. Thank you, James. That does it for me today, guys. I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you like us, uh, like what I'm putting out here, go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It takes five seconds. You don't even have to write anything. Just leave five stars. It really, really helps rise in the rankings. And I see some of these new shows that have like a thousand reviews already. And it's like, who on earth is leaving all these reviews? I feel like I have a lot of friends out there and none, maybe not even all of them have, have left me a review. So if you're listening and we've hugged at least once, go and leave me a five-star review. It really, really helps. <laughs> it really helps rise in those rankings. If you want to work with me, my website is belovedholistics.com. There's a, a new way of doing this. I've got a private association. If you want any medical advice on, you know, in any, for any reason, you have to join my private association. It's a $43 donation annually. And that gives you access to consultation, to buying packages with me, to working with me through your fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, menopausal transitions. And yeah, there you go. You also will, um, with joining my membership, I'm going to be, I'm going to be launching a private telegram group for all of the members of my PCA. And um, that'll be sort of like a, a responsible, respectful version of Facebook where people who resonate with what I do and with a truly holistic, natural approach to, to pregnancy, postpartum, menopause, etc., can convene, share ideas, share resources, share podcasts, articles, questions, answers, etc. So all of that can be found there. I also have a collaborator program. You have to join the PCA for that as well. Bronze, silver, gold. If you're a midwife, coach, doula, birth educator, fitness professional, check professional, holistic lifestyle coach, any type of healthcare professional under the sun, you may benefit from the collaborator program. So just go onto my website, belovedholistics.com, and you will find that there. 
I wish you all well. I'll see you next time on the Holistic Video Man podcast, everybody. Take care and thank you for tuning in. I love yous. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien.